Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. Well, good afternoon, Radio Land, and hope everybody's having a great day, and welcome to the Water Zone Show with Chris Davies and myself, Rob Stark. Hope everybody's doing enjoying the weather where they are, unless you're in some storm area, which I don't know about today. But how's everybody doing? Mr. Davey, what's up? No sweltering heat here, man. It's been nice, but there is a hint of summer, so it looks like uh, you know, the weather's going to turn, and we're going to finally get some warm temperatures. Ah, you come out here, it's 98 degrees and sunny. Somehow I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> It's beautiful, and you know, like uh, just about now and the next hour, it starts to cool off, and it's a nice breeze that comes every afternoon. So it's it's wonderful, and you know, my wife was talking to me the other day. You know, when we were out as like ninety two, it's really you don't you don't feel it. we're accustomed to it. And how many times are we outside of the day? Not much, and everybody's got cars with air conditionings, and all the malls have have air conditioning. So you know, just getting out of your house into the car isn't a big deal. Well, you can stand that. I mean, what is that? You know, a half a minute, minute and a half, maybe at, yeah. the, uh, at the most for your air conditioning to work. And, you know, I've got a family member that lives right there with the uh, same city as you in Phoenix. So well well, uh, well acquainted with the West. Absolutely. You know, I was going to say that, uh, you know, the weather the weather is kind of strange in, in, in different places. North, if you're up towards Blackstaff and, and Prescott and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's much cooler and stuff much like cool. that. But I've been I've been seeing more people now. Two reasons: they're playing golf in the afternoon. Really, either well, they start off at six in the morning and they'll play till about nine. Then they stop, and then a lot of people come for the afternoon because they reduce the rates like two thirds if you play after two o'clock. Yeah. And uh, but but I sometimes I can't see them going on that course with 105 degree weather. Uh, that's just walking walk, walking that. Uh, Walking that thing or driving a car, it's still hot doing it. So yeah, well, they wouldn't do it with me or you or Miss Chris Austin either, would they? No, no, not, <laughs> not in the least. Well, speaking of Miss Austin, here's the purveyor of Maven's Notebook, Miss Chris Austin, and she's got some new stuff going on that she's going to tell us about. Right, Chris? Hey, yeah. How you doing, everybody? All right. You good. Hey, I, I got a, something exciting I'm going to share with you and the listeners today. I haven't even announced this. To uh, to anybody yet, really? Well, except my donors. If you get my donor newsletter, then you know I've been cooking this thing up. But um, you know, one of the uh, when I get emails from my readers, the most common email I get is that uh, they are annoyed that they cannot read a particular article at a newspaper or news media outlet because it's behind the paywall, and. Mm-hmm. I, I do understand this, and there certainly has been more uh, more articles uh, landing behind paywalls, uh, and, and I actually have had to acquire a number of subscriptions, which, you know, the people that donate to my website help fun, fund for me, and that gives me the ability to, to hand out gift articles to use them when I, when I compile the Daily Digest, but still access to the articles is a bit of a it's a bit of a challenge. So I came up with this idea because there are several outlets that do allow republishing of material. And so most notably Cal Matters and the Courthouse News Service, uh, but also others such as AgAlert and uh, you know, and there are other uh, others that I I so I've gone out and I sort of collected up all of the articles from the outlets that can be republished, and I put them now onto a new news page that's available on Maven's Notebook. Uh, if, you know, you might have noticed some subtle changes around uh, the website the last day. We were kind of working, get, I had my web guy kind of working on moving stuff into place. Um, but if you go to mavensnotebook.com slash news, you will land on a news page that has all the articles grouped out in terms of topics and there are ways you can jump to keywords, the things that you're interested in. And everything in that section 
It's not aggregated from elsewhere on the on the internet. It's there, available to you. Just click on it, and you can read it without even leaving Maven's notebook. If you're on that page, <laughs> it's uh, it's open, free, open water news. No no paywalls involved. Uh, so you know, I invite you all to go check it out. I think there is a lot of. Um, I I mean, I still have some tweaking to do on the back end to get all the. Uh, other material aligned into this new system, but uh, but a lot's there now, and I've been archiving on some of these outlets, some of the more popular ones. Grist, Grist is another article, another outlet that allows republishing, so they're in there too. Um, so I invite you all to check it out. No paywalls. Click on what you like. Plus, I think that uh, there's some uh, tools there on that page that can help you dig into topics that you might particularly be interested in. So, um, yeah, well, very excited about that. One more thing that you and I were talking about before the show starts, um, you're getting a new persona. Huh? <laughs> you're you're, you're going to have another character. <laughs> oh, well, well, yeah, but the, re- the listeners aren't going to see that. It's like they... But, oh. but yes, folks, the answer... I, I just found the answer to my prayers. Apparently now you can use an avatar to speak for you at meetings. So, you know, if you don't, if you didn't get your hair done or whatever, you can just use your avatar and your mouth will move to your, your avatar's mouth will move to your words. I'm just so, so delighted. If I could get my business picture to talk for me whenever I had to go on, oh, I'd never do my hair again. Well, <laughs> you, know, you, you know NBC broadcasts our stuff in video as well. So if you start giving your new avatar, we'll put it on that. There you go. I think that would be cool. I just want to see what avatar you're going to choose. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I know. I was, I was trying to throw something up quick while we were in the queue, but uh, but I didn't. Yeah. Uh, well, what's all this hoop they do about the uh, coalition opposes the bills to overhaul the water rights rules? Oh, my word. Well, you know, with... We, we've been, uh, there's been a lot of hand-wringing going on over these water rights legislation, three pieces that have survived. Um, generally, these, uh, the sum aggregate of these three bills, if they pass, you know, high level, would, would strengthen the state water board and its ability to investigate water rights and their ability to enforce water rights a little bit more than what they can now uh and it's you know it's it's vigorously opposed by uh most of the water users uh especially the farmers because well uh, who who wants to have more regulation who wants to have the government you know involved any more than they are today um so i understand their logic but I do think, um, you know, that going forward into climate change, I, I'm kind of thinking that, you know, some changes here are going to be necessary, whether these are the ones that are the changes that should be made and whether they pass or not. Uh, well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but uh, right now, yeah, they're still, they're still in the mix, and uh, that has a lot of people concerned um, and, and a lot of people supportive of that. Uh, I mean, I think big uh, the environmental justice community is is big on uh, on these pieces of legislation. The Planning and Conservation League, I think, has sponsored at least one of those bills. So, um, you know, we'll see as the debate continues. Uh, you know what the what the state legislature will do. Yeah, <laughs> we, we never know what they're going to do. But um, I know it's hard to predict. Yes. Hey, but you had another uh, thing I was reading this morning about how the California lawmakers are waging Delta water war with Newsom. Oh, well, yeah, because Newsom's got this this budget trailer bill that would make it easier for infrastructure projects to be built. Um, You know, and this is infrastructure of all kinds. It's not specific to water uh, infrastructure, but uh, it does mention the Delta conveyance project as one uh, one that you know infrastructure that could benefit from the passage of this bill. 
And it's a trailer bill, so that means it's kind of attached to the budget, and it doesn't have the public process that other types of legis of, of uh, other types of bills do, where they're heard in committee and the public has a chance to come and weigh in on them. Uh, so the budget trailer bill is kind of like those omnibus omnibus bills that they pass in Washington D.C., where a lot of miscellaneous things get attached to them, and and uh, you know. <laughs> And you have no choice but to vote for it all. So, where's the transparency in our government that they keep doing that? I mean, it's like you gotta you gotta pass the bill to know what's going to be in it, and they put all this pork and everything else in it, as you said, just to throw it in there. But don't, is it to to me that's unfair to the citizens? Yeah, it, and you know, especially with some of these things that pass in Washington D.C. attached to these bills, they they can be hugely consequential. Um, and I think that they get less this this issue gets less attention in Washington D.C. than it does here in California. And to Newsom's benefit, he's not like trying to do this under the table. I mean, he's he's come out and he's said this is what I want to do and and now the legislators are debating it but uh, there's not really a, a public process for the public to weigh in and to say what they feel so you know there of course there's a lot of campaigns to get people to call their state legislators and, and we'll see what happens but uh, yeah I think I think that this type of trailer bills and you know, in the state and in Washington D.C. is a bit of dirty pool. I think. Um, you know. Do you think? Do you think people, when they call their representative, that the representatives because they never get to speak to the, the person themselves. They always get somebody who works there. And do you, do just in your personal opinion, do you think that they get all the messages that say they say hell yes or hell no about about what they're working on? Or I think. Do? I, I'm. I would imagine that staff probably keeps the tally and and a general jot down of what folks are saying. Uh, I I don't think that you know they hand they hand the representative a stack of little pink you know while you were out messages with everything <laughs> written down. But but I mean yeah and, and I think it's it would be the staff's job to sort of you know distill that a little bit and. And I, I do think that the legislators do listen to the people that take the time to call. I mean, these are their constituents. And, you know, if anything, especially here in California, we have, you know, legislators that pay that play more for their constituents than they do for the good of the state of the, as a whole. Yeah. And But when your region is going to take a hit, even though the entire state would benefit it's very hard to be from that region and to to say okay well i'll vote for that anyways because then your constituents look at that and say wow that was you know you voted for that and yeah, yeah you know crazy stuff crazy stuff <laughs> so oh, hey go ahead um, this, I just want to tell you the state water board is uh had a meeting yesterday about what to do with these uh, groundwater basins that have uh, deemed their groundwater sustainability plans have been deemed inadequate and they are facing potential state water board intervention, which would be, uh, this is the first. I mean, the state of California, you know, we just implemented this uh, Sigma uh, legislation just, what, five years ago, um, or more than that, actually, I think, eight years ago and and here we are we're coming up on our first uh first round of state board intervention so um it's it's uh it's going to be really interesting to see how this uh how this process plays out uh looks like they could have the first uh hearing happening as soon as december of this year so do you do, uh, do, you, do you think the sigma and the Mwello is I know at the launch it looks really good, but what happens over time? I, I don't I don't see a plan well, for sustaining for sustaining. Like I said, you know, if you if you build a property and you 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 go to all the trouble of following Sigma and well and all of that, 
you know, big, the biggest problem, and I can ask Chris Davey this because he's, he's, he's more familiar with, with what happens out in the field, but what, what happens after they install something? The most majority of problems they have is the maintenance of the system, that it, it doesn't stay the way it was when it was first put in, and people change out parts and things. Chris Davey, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, it's been it's been an issue for for I mean years and years and years, right? The ongoing maintenance and the update of a system to the MWLO standards is only good for you know essentially the first few weeks or even a month or so when the system is installed. After right. that, it degrades just like everything else, and it's been, you know and it's been an issue. And also, you know, I think uh, Rob, you're conflating like two kind of different things. Mwello is not uh, is not really like. Sigma, Sigma is groundwater no, no, management. I, I, no, um, I, I understand it, but yeah. And and speaking to to that, I mean, I I think is Sigma working? I think generally it is. And the amazing thing is that uh, compliance with Sigma has really been uh, nearly a hundred percent. And and even the ones that didn't comply, the few areas where they were sort of in a class where they didn't really have. So in a way, I think there's looking around the state. There's no groundwater basin that says we're not going to do this. And even after they're so they all turned in plans, and even after those plans were were deemed inadequate, none of these six basins is trying to say you know, f you state, hey, we ain't going to do it. There's not they're not saying that. So you know. Um, so I think that's actually kind of amazing in a sense, and uh, and something that you know we should look to. So I, are there small tweaks that could be made to that legislation? I I think so. Um, but now when you get down to Muello, that's the landscape standard, and uh, you know this is a this is a totally different issue where you know they came up with this standard. For all the that all the urban landscaping in California should adhere to, which you know we really don't like this one size fits all thing here in in uh, California, and and so I'm sure that there are some adjustments for regionality, but this is a, a situation where you know on paper these landscapes are supposed to save all kinds of water, but in reality. Um, that's just not what happened. They just don't perform that in, that way, and that's a matter of the difference between you know uh, putting the pencil to the paper and calculating how much you think it's going to be to how much in reality it is. So I, I know there's I, I know there's probably some sort of regulation that is in, that's inside the uh, Sigma, the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. But you know, even if they were to start, you know, kind of, you know, going out there and shaking their fingers at people, what, you know, what, what kind of form, what kind of shape does some, if Sigma intervenes, what kind of, what shape does that take? I mean, what, what can they well, do? Well, for one thing, it starts, it starts very slow. It's a snail's pace. So they have a lot of noticing requirements built in to the legislation into Sigma. So, they have to hold a public hearing to decide if they're going to put a basin on probation. And so, you know, it would, like to say, the first, the soonest that they could get started is six months from now, you know, because they have to do a lot to get ready to notice, and then they have to notice, and this time has to pass. And so the public can come in and, and can talk to the state water board about the basin and the state water board can decide if they're going to put the basin on probation or not. Now, if they put the basin on probation, then then the next step that happens is that the base, the state water board can start uh, implement or start developing a, a, an interim plan to manage the basin, which will most likely look at uh, cutting the amount of water that's being pumped from the basin pretty much because that's the only lever that the state water board can really uh, can really push. Uh, projects to store, to recharge groundwater and things like that are not something that the state water board is going to take on on behalf of a groundwater basin. So it's getting this, this interim 
plan. Now, the goal that the State Water Board and DWR keep saying is that this is all about local control, and the State Water Board doesn't really want to be managing groundwater basins, so they would really like the local groundwater agency to get it under control so they don't have to be doing this. Um, And so all this, like, development of the interim plan and all this, you know, all that state water board love, well, it doesn't come for free. So there would be, you know, uh, taxes or, or charges levied on the amount that everyone that pumps from the basin pumps that would go to the state water board. So so there's a real motivation not to have the state water board intervene. And so if the basins can uh, can get things fixed fast enough, then they might still at this point avoid intervention. And, and there are things, steps that uh, these basins are taking. One of them is the Delta Mendota uh, sub-basin, which at one point, and I think it, it didn't change much, but it was 23 groundwater agencies within the basin that prepared seven different groundwater sustainability plans. And the legislation says you can have multiple GSAs in the basin. I don't think anyone ever contemplated 23 GSAs preparing seven plans. But But the legislation allows for that, but you have to have a coordination agreement with all those GSAs. And, uh, well, the the seven GSAs, the coordination agreement didn't pass muster, and so the basin now has decided to prepare a single GSP. And they are are not on the high-priority basins for intervention, so they could possibly uh, get a single GSP and get it adopted and get it submitted and approved before they get to their probationary hearing. Um, so, you know, there are ways out of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's actually huge. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a big step forward and and a new step because, uh, state water boards never had to do this before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead, Rob. Okay. I'm just going to say, you know, I'm going to, we're running into the bottom of the hour here, but Rob. I, I can't pass this up because, you know, I love the fish stories, right? The, oh, yeah, 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 the, the salmon, salmon stories. Yeah, so kind of migrating, you know, from groundwater to surface water. So I was, I got to tell you, Chris, I was just uh, enamored by reading the article where those um, where those re- researchers found Chinook salmon in the, in the bypass, the channels, the levee bypass channels on the Sacramento River, right? So in dry years, they don't get full of water, but the rice, growers use that water to grow rice so this this article just tells uh the story about how amazed these researchers were to find tons and tons of chinook salmon babies right i mean nurseries right in these rice fields and then surprisingly to find that uh that uh this rearing them or you know making these babies grow up in these salmon rice fields really helps them live when they go out into the ocean. Yeah, we're really learning about the value of floodplains and the value of having, you know, the water that the rice fields, you know, that sit in the water and how that water produces fish food, you know, zooplankton and little bugs things that that the fish eat. And it's the, the greatest success story, I think, that we have in the last, you know, 10, 15 years here is, you know, this ability because we, we didn't know about this before. Well, I, I think, think yeah, I think it is too. Not only, sorry, Rob was going to say, not only from the standpoint of, of, you know, discovering this kind of late in the game, if you will, as to, to what is going here, but you've got, you've got uh, agencies uh, or organizations like the California Rice Commission that are supporting this because not only does the rice make food for the fish, but the fish helps Grow, grow the rice and create habitat for them, not only for the fish, but water birds, migrating birds along the Pacific Flyway. I mean, it's it's a it's a plus plus win win. It is, and and it's and I got to say, a lot of it comes from 
you know, the the people in the Sacramento Valley kind of got together when things got kind of tough in terms of getting water around, and they said, you know, <clears throat> the best way we can protect our water rights is for the species to do better. If the fish and the birds are doing better, they won't come for our water. So what can we do to improve, you know, the populations of the birds and the salmon? And, you know, here we are. Isn't it amazing how nature takes care of itself? With well, with help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Well, well you know. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say we live in a world that is so um, changed by man, especially out in the environment, that we we have to help nature because it, nature is happening in a in a, a novel ecosystem, as we might say, you know. Yeah, absolutely correct. Well, we're coming up to our, as Chris said, we're coming up to our uh, commercial break. And uh, I always like to tell the uh, the listeners, please go to mavensnotebook.com. And hopefully, shortly, maybe we'll see that avatar. And we're looking forward <laughs> to that. <laughs> but become a subscriber. It's the greatest place to get uh, information on California Water News every single day, right to your computer or laptop or whatever you got. And you can also become a sponsor. Just go to, again, www.mavensnotebook.com. It's very well worthwhile. It brings you up to date on what's going on because all of us don't have time to do all the work that Chris, may, you know, Chris does, and she's amazing. I don't know how you get all that stuff out every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you blow me away with that, but uh, it's great reading and and become much smarter by reading it. So, Chris, thank you. We'll see you and talk to you next week. And uh, get that avatar. I want to see what it's going to look like. All right, we'll do. Good evening, everyone. Have a Good great evening. week, Chris. All right, we're going to take a little commercial break, and we'll be back with our featured guest. So stick around. We'll be back in just one moment, and uh, stay tuned. KCAA Loma Linda. The legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM. Moving up in this industry means getting the most out of each day, so you can focus on growing your business. With Site One, you're in control, and we're here to help. It starts with the right team. Our irrigation pros can help map out a complete, streamlined system that meet any requirements or regulation. And from the first dig to years after install, knowledgeable experts are available in branch, or resources are available online to help find solutions specific to your needs. Next, we make sure you have the right tools to get the job done with the largest selection of top brands in the industry, bringing the latest in Wi-Fi-enabled controllers, rotors, sprays, valves, and drip components. And because hard work should always be rewarded, you'll receive personalized pricing and earn loyalty points on qualifying purchases to help you grow. You're in control. Site One is here to help. Water is one of the biggest expenses for communities, HOAs, universities, golf courses, and resorts. So keeping those costs under control, especially when rates are increasing while water supplies are being reduced, are often essential to a customer's survival. Managing water requires multiple skills, which is why it's been complicated and difficult until now. AquaTrack brings multiple skills and technologies together to help large system users conserve outdoor water and improve the health of their landscapes. AquaTrack's professionals are certified landscape water managers and certified landscape irrigation auditors. The company offers audit services, upgrade advice, technical expertise, and water use monitoring. We already manage irrigation water for the largest homeowner associations in Arizona, and we're prepared to bring our knowledge and experience to help others, including landscapers and designers. Give us a call and hear how AquaTrack saved one HOA some 430 million gallons of water and $200,000 in annual water expenses. AquaTrack is Arizona-based, and you can reach us at 623-594-8689. That's 623-594-8689. This is KCAA.
All right, so welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone with Chris Stadia and myself, Rob Starr, and I hope everybody's enjoying that. We have a great featured guest, but I know Chris wants to talk about something that's happening the next month. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Rob. You know, I just want to you know do a little spot here for our friends at the Irrigation Association because, you know, as well as I do and many people do, coming up next month in July, right, it's going to be Smart Irrigation Month, right? So, Join the Irrigation Association in Observing Smart Irrigation Month. This is an industry-wide initiative. It's focused on promoting smart irrigation, smart technologies, and practices. So just tell our listeners, don't forget to wear blue on July 11th, because that's the technology day in July. Uh, Post a photo on social media. Use the hashtag smart irrigation, all that kind of stuff, right? Use um, use all your... uh, all your irrigation smart dot, sorry, let me get this right, smartirrigationmonth.org to go and get more information about it. They've got lots of resources on there, and it's a good thing for our industry. Absolutely. It's going to be a great month, and uh, we celebrate that religiously because that's our business. So we appreciate that. Everybody contribute to that. Anyway, we have a, a great interview with a gentleman uh, who runs uh, and director of Green Tech, which is part of another company, which we will talk to you about. And uh, interesting conversation, and uh, his name is Greg Steele, so here we go. Hi, we're here with Greg Steele, and he's a director of Green Tech, which is part of Site One, which is the largest landscape uh, distributor in the country. Actually, maybe in the world. I know you're, you're, out, you're outside in Canada and other places, so Absolutely. you're pretty big. And uh, we're here at the uh, uh, ASIC show, and uh, we're excited. In fact, see, I'm, I'm an electronic guy, so when he said, hey, do I want to go to ASIC? I said, what is that? And he, which I did know. He said, it's so, you know, American Society of Irrigation Consultants. And I said, but in my electronics world, that's application-specific integrated circuit. Oh, that's what they used to call those chips before. That's stuff. That's so that, so sometimes so, when you do a Google search for ASIC, trying to just find information on the conference, you see some other things pop yeah. up, and you're like, "Oh, what is this industry?" So, yeah, but that, but that's what it was—programmable, yeah. uh, uh, you know, microcontrollers. That's how it started up. They called them applications. All depends on your point of view. That, right? That's that's right. Yeah. So anyway, not to cut to the trace. So. Um, what made you get into this business, this industry? I mean, uh, is that you started your career? In? Was that what you wanted when you were a little kid? Or water droplets hit you on the head and you decided you wanted something in the water? What? Yeah, you know, it was something. I played a lot of sports growing up, and, and I knew I wanted to do something outdoors. And uh, kind of didn't know what that would be, but got interested in landscape and landscape architecture. Um was going to Cal Poly for landscape architecture and actually started uh, taking a lot of irrigation courses. And I, at the time, I was also working for a landscape contractor and I was running uh, the estimating department for them. And, and I, would, I was always drawn more to the irrigation side, doing takeoffs and everything. And just, uh, I had more of a mechanical aptitude than an art, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. background. And so uh, while I was taking these courses at, at Cal Poly, um, I kind of just fell in love in the irrigation side, and and the uh, professor there at the time, uh, Dr. Ramesh Kumar, he was really good about bringing industry people in to present. And it, I noticed at the end of the, their presentations at the time, they were all basically handing out applications because they were looking for right. irrigation professionals. It was something, especially in Southern California where I grew up, where. Um, there was a big demand and not a lot of supply. So, so you went uh, to the good Cal Poly? I oh, did. Only I Cal Poly. Poly. <laughs> is, there, Cal Poly. is there a different Come one? Yeah. Him too. <laughs> and I know Ramesh Kumar. All right, there you go. This. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, when I was back there, there was even Dr. Joe Hahn. I know. He started off the original thing. And of course, owned modern irrigation yep. in uh, up yep. in California. There, right? yeah, knew his daughter from there. Yeah, I actually you? got All the right. Joe Hung Memorial uh, Scholarship when I was at Cal Poly. Well, congratulations! That's, yeah, yeah I that's stuck awesome. with it, and and uh, yeah, changed my major. Got a degree in landscape irrigation science, and been doing it ever since. After college, I was like a grounds manager for UC Irvine. Um, then I got into water management, running large central control systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, did some irrigation design for uh, uh, was irrigation consultant uh, for a little while, and then got into the, the manufacturing side. Worked for Rainbird for seven years in various positions. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of did some stuff in Texas and the Central U.S. Well, he's a well. Rainbird guy. There you go. <laughs> so, and then yeah, I was lucky <laughs> enough to have the opportunity to come to Site One. 
and uh, and be involved in green tech, which is really the fun part. That's uh, for me. It's that technical irrigation side. It's amazing to me, and 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 just for our listening audience, I one is a sponsor of our show for several years. I, I dealt with Jennifer Weld, and now her name is Jennifer Benson. Okay, so, and I don't remember Matt's last name after <laughs> that, but I just looked that up. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I couldn't believe how fast the organization grew. Yeah, from a startup to Boom, hundreds yep. of stores, hundreds of places throughout in yes. Canada. Amazing story. Yeah, it's been exciting. You know, the, the, the background uh, with, you know, John Deere landscapes are yeah. pretty established right. already. Yeah. But then right. when it went public and became Site One, uh, I mean, we're growing organically very rapidly, but then also obviously growing through acquisition and, yeah. and getting a lot into other spaces. I mean, we've expanded, especially recently, really in the hardscape side. Right. Um, it, it seemed like we, you know, had a lot of the irrigation branches and everything and coverage really well established and and we're still growing that but yeah the hardscapes and nurseries and all these things that every time that we we bring another uh, another company in to partner with us it's been exciting to see that grow well great tell us about you know tell us about green tech side yeah. green tech right i mean we know it's the technical it's a service side sure. of the business what's the day in the life of greg Steele? man well okay so <laughs> Uh, I will uh, just before diving right into green tech. I will say we, we site one, um, you know, has all these different lines of businesses, right? And they'll do a line of business specialists. We've got the stores set up that sell the whole solution, everything outdoor. We can basically provide for a wholesale landscape contractor or even a retail customer. So what green tech is is one of those line of business kind of mm-hmm. specialists, right? We really are the technology solution provider. For the green industry and the irrigation space so um, now what that entails of is really kind of three arms if you will we've got the the sales side and our sales team we've got the service side and our service technicians and then we've got operations and so a day in the life for me is, is kind of managing those three things and really being able to provide those solutions to our customers so um, our district sales managers are really just they've got to be you know, subject matter experts and everything that we provide. The product lines that we specialize in are everything from central control, smart controllers, uh, booster pumps, um, fertigation systems, filtration, rainwater harvesting, uh, all these, you know, one-off things. And then on our operations side, we actually have a UL listed shop where we actually specialize in product integration. So we're not a manufacturer, we don't manufacture products. But we take other manufactured products and couple them into um, prepackaged custom assemblies that can really create some some neat solutions for customers uh, and help contractors to save labor because it shows up prepackaged, ready to go. Might just have to dig a hole or or place a pad, and they can bolt this thing down, and they just installed a very technical solution that they would have had to couple together in the field, if you will. And then also we provide you know peace of mind for specifiers if they spec uh, a green tech product assembly that you know they might have had to rely on someone to put together in the field they know this is built yeah. by our technicians in a UL listed shop and it shows up and then our field service technicians will go and actually certify the install so they know the things like if it's a controller assembly they know. You know, if it had a master valve and flow sensor, that has been hooked up and they are both functioning. If it had communication devices to communicate to a cloud, that's working. And and then we do um, training for the end user and we service it for the long haul as, as well as an extended warranty. So um, really, I pride ourselves in trying to be the end, end solution provider from design to build install maintenance and long-term support so yeah i mean that's a broad spectrum of services right to 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 offer but site one's you know in north america nationwide right so Mm -hmm. you've got the backup in place right yeah all all across the country and and in green tech we definitely we're we're still in growth mode you know we've had our, our strongest presence is in california florida and texas um, really those Sunbelt states right. and we're pretty established there but even growing those teams in those locations but you know we still have some work to do in some of the other remote areas uh, uh, we don't have a ton of field service technicians in some of the northern climates yet but that's what I'm looking at and trying to trying to grow that as site one grows as well so. hey, North Dakota is nice this time of year. yeah there you go <laughs> yeah. we had some nice uh, locations in, in uh, uh, 
Colorado as well. Absolutely, yeah. A lot of pot goes in like that. How do you see the business after COVID? Has it done anything? Did that have, uh, you know, have, have it affected you negatively or positively? But, but since then, how, how, how how's things that you see in the industry? Yeah, post the COVID, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been a roller coaster. I mean, I don't think <laughs> any would have, anyone would have imagined, like, even immediately post COVID, how busy and how good the landscape industry had done. You know, everyone, I don't think anyone would have predicted how much people wanted to invest into their homes and, and, right. and then even well, just in retail, like, anything else to do. yeah, <laughs> exactly. If they're staring at their landscape, then, Hey, I might as well make this yeah. a nicer place. And then I'd even say in the commercial side of things, there's been this boom for, you know, more outdoor eating establishments and then just mm-hmm. parks and all these things. But you know, it went crazy. We had really good years in sales um, immediately after, but then you know the supply chain issues. That's, yes, that was yeah. a that was a tough one. Anything, Mike, and then my team being the technical side, a lot of our products that we specialize in have microchips, right? Yeah. And that's, everyone knows what's going on with yeah, that. Four dollar part comes out to be between seventy to two hundred and forty dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, just right. one you chip. Four yep. bucks for it. Yeah. Well, you yeah. weren't fighting that battle alone. No, everyone. Sure. We were all in it together. But it's just been interesting to see, like, navigating that because you've got pent up demand. Mm-hmm. Customers want the supply. Mm-hmm. Some things, and so you're then trying to provide, you know, almost band aid solutions temporarily until you can get something in there. Um, so, and then obviously inflation was crazy. But this year, twenty twenty three, you know. There's some unique challenges, you know, uh, housing uh, is starting to show some decline, but commercial, the commercial side is still really strong. And that's what Green Tech, we really focus on that. We do a lot of stuff with municipalities um, and corporate campuses and things like that. So we've been able to pivot and focus there. Uh, but then there's even some deflation on certain sure. items like pipe and everything. So it's been, man, I'd say post-COVID, we've all been you know, thrown into, the, you better be a very good solution provider and, and use your imagination or else uh, you're not going to make it. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, as Rob said at, the, at your introduction, right, we're here at ASIC, American Society of Irrigation Consultants. We're at the show. How's that going for you? Oh, it's been great. I always have loved uh, attending these events. You know, even when I was at Cal Poly, that's the first one I went to uh, was a ASIC event when I was going to college there. And I just saw it was it's a very unique conference in that it's it's more intimate and you're hearing from you know the best of the best these irrigation consultants that um are very i'd say transparent with each other and you know when you're sitting here listening to these guys and they're you know going back and forth i mean i've learned more at these conferences than than probably anything else. I mean, the IA shows are amazing, and I've learned a lot there as well. They're both great organizations, so I always look forward to, to both these events. Yeah, every you day. guys have a tabletop, and you're absolutely. showing some... Yeah, yep, showing some our some solutions. Problems. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good. The, were you just in Chris Austin's uh, presentation in there in California? I was, yeah. So she's a regular on our show. Okay. She comes on uh, often. What would you think of that? That was pretty good. That was great. <laughs> yeah, it was... It had been a little while since I, you know, it was kind of the history lesson reminder of all the state water projects and the and the uh, aqueducts and the yeah. Delta smelt issue and all these things. So, um, you know, we've been talking about that for a long time, but I, I still I learned a lot from her, and so um, I definitely need to tune into her website and, yeah. and yeah. stay uh, abreast on everything. Yeah, she's we get we, on. we get her her stuff every single morning on our computer and stuff, and she's been a good. Uh, good part of our show she does all the california water news and covers stuff and uh it's just been a joy what's interesting for people who don't know both chris and chris and we had another lady kathy kellogg who is the chairwoman of kellogg's garden products okay and, and myself and mike Barron. i don't know if you knew mike i do know mike yeah and he was the original but all of us are inductees into the green industry hall of fame That's which great. is pretty unique yeah and and, and but the team here makes the show good and, and, and it's getting to meet people like you I mean we do business my company does business with you, yeah. you guys and I, I know like, like you just mentioned you know hey I remember you from X amount of yeah. years ago yeah. and I gave you a tour and I didn't, I didn't remember that yeah. you know maybe because I'm older and I forget more but you know well and you've given a lot of tours to people over the years <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, where do you see water 
I mean, you're based in California, you said? Or, I actually or, live in Arizona. Now. Okay. Uh, but my career, you know, most of my career is spent in California and then Texas and now here in Arizona, kind of right in the where, middle of them. Where do you see the future of water, for the, let's just say for this country oh, in general? Or, or pick, pick Arizona. I live in Arizona too now, so. Yeah, that's a tough one. Well, you're facing yeah. the same water struggles as uh, you yeah. know, here, here, you know, southern Arizona water. I mean, they're, they're, they're using, I don't know if you read, I live in on the west side, uh, in Verado, if you know where yeah, that is. Yeah, I do. From. And uh, Use Corporation bought some property uh, west of me going towards California, and they want to put in 100,000 homes. I know. That's what they're planning. And they submitted all the documents to the state and say, hey, we got, we, we got water for 100 years. Well, that's not true. And now mm-hmm. they're arguing about that. So water water is going to be, especially with the Colorado River and everything yeah. else, it's it's going to be hard to keep building that much stuff. I, I see more regulations. I, I see certainly see raise, raises in in power mm-hmm. and water. Because uh, I don't think, the, you know, not that I want to pay more, but we all will. Yeah. Um, I, I, I honestly believe we don't really see the true value of water like they do in like Israel or some other places. Well, like Chris I, Maven just said in yeah. the thing there, California's not out of water. We're just yeah. out of cheap water. Yeah, yeah. and I, I've said that for a long time. I've, I've said if if water costs the same as yeah. gasoline, we'd all be pretty dang good at conserving <laughs> water. Yeah. Because ultimately it's still – and you've seen uh, – I was going to say where I see it going, right? It's going to get more expensive. You see water districts, tiered rates. As long as they make sense and you're looking at the landscape area and what they're trying to irrigate, then tiered rates to me – um, makes sense. I know so like, yes. as a consumer you're always like, oh, this is kind of a fine line I'm dancing, but really when you, you look at the issues we're facing in water conservation, it's just got to it's got to be that. Well, like, you can do all these things, sure. but unless it hits people in the pocketbook, yeah. Yeah, you, uh, it costs you to keep the, the infrastructure so going. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and you got to pay, you know, even if they have half the amount of people, you still got to do the processing plant and do all the distribution and fix the broken Broken infrastructure, the pipes and things. So that's never going to go away. Yeah. And and nothing is getting cheap. I remember when I moved to California, I paid sixteen cents for a McDonald's hamburger, and oh, fifteen cents, fifteen cents, sixteen cents for the fries, and twenty five cents for a shake. <laughs> and then the, the big deal was you could get lunch for under a buck. If you, <laughs> yeah. if you remember that. Well, you can't even their even their dollar meal isn't really a dollar anymore. <laughs> it is. Yeah. They, they jacked they jacked it up. So yeah, things things got to go up in value. Yeah. I think technology will help people reduce Absolutely. the things. Uh, get you know with all these now fancy uh, uh, remote uh, reading meters yeah. where you can go online and find something. But if they can get that in their home and see exactly how much water they're using and, yeah. what the, and put an algorithm in the Leak shape. detection and all that. Yeah. It, it, I think it's awareness too. Even the, you know, the technologies that are out there have been amazing for, for a while now. Oh, absolutely. It's just getting people to use them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like even when they, you see them getting installed. But yeah. The percent that's actually just being used, uh, we, you know, as an industry, we still have a lot of work to do and yeah. up in our game. But I always remember, it's like you, you can't make water and, <laughs> and you can't make it go away. There's the same amount of water yeah. has been here yeah. forever. I mean, right? Over yeah. and over and so, over and over. So it's all about where it, where it's at and uh, and the quality of it and you know using it efficiently, right? Yeah. And so whether it's alternate water sources. Um, you know, treatment, all those kind of things. But everything, you find something like she was talking about, you know, desalination. And it's like, well, you do that, and then what do you do with the brine? And it's high energy, and there's all these different things. But ultimately, we all just have to, if everyone was just more conscious about it and, and put a little more energy and effort into using water efficiently, I think still would be yeah. good for a long time. But. Well, it's like electric cars. I, I'm not opposed. Personally, I'm not opposed to them. I think they're neat ideas. I think we're still developing the technology with the battery issues and things of yeah. that sort. Down the road, that will be great. Mm-hmm. I, I totally believe we, got, we, we shouldn't stop as a country creating new things and investing in science. I think that's important. That's going to help us get... I mean, look, look what we have with technology today versus you know, the first cell phone. Or, or the car phones they used to have. You had to put it in the trunk and this, and then they then it came in a bag. You had to carry yeah. the bag around. Then they had that big Motorola one <laughs> that they had that was like about two feet long. Yeah, it wasn't two feet, it was about a foot and a half, but, but it was with, a big, big, with a big antenna. You oh, know? Yeah. And, and now you can get it on a watch. 
right? I mean, it's 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 incredible what can happen. What we used to take ten years, now it can take six months or three months to develop yeah. a product. And I think mm-hmm. I think that's a smart yeah. way to go. It. Yeah. All right, so shameless plug for site one. Yeah. yeah. Any, uh, so any any comments you want to make? Or you're yeah, working, per, working. We how got can, a lot of listeners. They, how can they get a hold yeah. of you guys? And Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, we're the largest uh, distributor of landscape products in the U.S., over 700 locations now in wow. pretty much every major metro market in the U.S. So, I mean, whether you're a commercial contractor or a homeowner, um, you could probably just do a Google search and find the nearest branch and go in that way. Um, so would yeah, they direct them? Would they direct them to you? Yeah, and so that's what I was going to say. Even Green Tech, that you can ask uh, local personnel to to you know reach out to the nearest um, Green Tech rep in that area, um, or you can go on our website. We actually have a micro site. It's uh, www.greentech.site1.com. Um, so you can find us there. Um, but yeah. Uh, you know, anything for outdoor solutions, whether it's hardscapes, bulk yep. materials, agronomics, equipment, lighting, uh, or irrigation, and then that technical irrigation side that we we cover. Um, you know, we're site one prides itself on being customer obsessed. Uh, we're that's we're very passionate about having our customers succeed. Um, when they succeed, we do, and so. Um, that's what we're all about. Awesome. Excellent. Awesome. Greg Steele, Site One Green yep. Tech. Thanks for being on the water. Thank zone. you. Thank you very much. Really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Absolutely. Well, Chris, uh, you know, uh, Green Tech's part, part, of, part of our uh, big organization that we have our distributorship with, with Site One. And uh, they're an awesome company, and Green Tech sure does a lot of the technical stuff. They are, you know, probably probably one of the leaders in the industry, right? Their their technical background, their staff, everybody that even helps you all all the way down to the counter level. I mean, just a great organization. Yeah, absolutely. And just just for clear interest, uh, your uh, future son-in-law and daughter work for their parent company, so make sure that yeah, we're yeah, uh, do it. Yeah, they do it. Yeah, full. Full disclosure, absolutely, they do. Yeah, no, no problem whatsoever in, in talking about that. And they're right there, out where uh, you are in uh, the Arizona uh, region. So, hey, uh, I just want to make a comment just before we get off the air. You know, because um, Smart Irrigation Month coming up next year, and I just I like the way that uh, that a lot of companies, not just you know our our namesake coral company, but other companies are just supporting it. Um, I just encourage all of our listeners to get involved in any way you can in Smart Irrigation Month. Go to the IE website. It's sort, sort of like the Swift Geneva website for uh, for the industry. And just, just learn about all the things that are available, all the knowledge, all the resources that are available through the IA for Smart, for July Smart Irrigation Month. Absolutely. Well, one of the things we got to tell our listeners before we go is please do something important, which is help keep our planet blue. Planet blue and 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 those who like green you can't do it without blue so take care of that water use it wisely use it efficiently and call into the show sometime and uh, win some prizes we like to hear from you or go go to our website anyway thanks everybody for listening we will talk to you next week you have a great weekend thanks for tuning in everyone good night KCAA Loma Linda. The Legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM. NBC News Radio. I'm Brian Shook. A U.S. Navy official.